and the, the five million that I don't look in the in the stock market and I, I sell and buy just before leaving. I was like, okay, the market's mm -hmm. gonna close on the after hours might drop a bit, but it's, it, overall it's gonna be fine. Yeah. And then when I see it, it just pumps down 10%. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, 10%, yeah, that's insane. 10% is like five minutes. Yeah, I was like, yeah, what I do now? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing I can do about it. You're listening to Understand Tomorrow, a podcast dedicated to exploring technological innovation how technology can and does impact our lives and those of our guests. We invite tech enthusiasts, professionals, and members of the community to tell their stories. We're Ozana Niri. Join us on our journey to understand and create tomorrow. Hey, you're listening to Understand Tomorrow with Ozana Niri. Today, we've got Andre Marcato, the president of Mayfair Investors and someone who's currently working for ING. Thank you for joining us today, Andre. Uh, thank you, Ari. Thank you, Ozan, for giving me the, the opportunity to be here and talking with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you on. Um, now, with regards to investing, there's a lot of people who get into investing in, in different ways and have different uh, ambitions once they start. I personally, I got into investing uh, once uh, Bitcoin started to rise a couple of years ago. Uh, I know a friend of mine who's a day trader and he's, you know, he tries to make a bit of money on the side. So I, I wanted to ask you, uh, as a passionate investor and trader, uh, what, what got you into investing in the first place? Uh, honestly, I was bored. Like I was, uh, <laughs> I was working in England. Like I go a traineeship as engineering. I did engineer. Like I tried to finish engineering before I gave up in the middle, and uh, then I was working with it. And uh, I was just so bored. And I was like, oh, how can I fill my time? You know, because I did have some free time at work because I wasn't that essential, thankfully. And um, I saw like my boss actually putting some money on some Brazilian companies and saying like, yeah, I just did like uh, X percent like uh, like profit like this week and blah, blah. We're playing like uh, derivatives, some uh, turbos. And I got like uh, interested in that. And then I just started researching more. I did some online courses and, uh, and then I just learned by trying to be honest. It was, yeah. was pretty fun. Online courses on investing? Yeah, like uh, on Coursera, you have courses. Ah, nice. You even have courses on platforms by itself, like Two and Two offers you like some technical courses, and uh, YouTube in general. Like you, you like internet is a beautiful place mm -hmm, if you know mm -hmm. how to filter. Yeah, if you know how to filter, there's definitely also some places where you'll find uh, investment advice that isn't as accurate. But uh, yeah, that and, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and now you're in Rotterdam. And I hear you've started an uh, investment group, Mayfair Investors. Um, yeah. How, how do you guys keep yourself busy? What what, uh, what was that like, starting that organization? Uh, okay, starting the organization was actually pretty smooth. Like, I had a friend who kind of already took care of it. It was, like, a group of friends, actually, Marco, Fahri, and Peter. And uh, they just, like, they knew they had some experience. They knew Fahri for my foundation year. And they just kind of invited me. And since it was starting the group, they were like, yeah, help us um, actually find people, actually conclude the group, because mm -hmm. we needed a minimum amount of 10 people. And uh, we all actually made everybody on that year like a co-founder because it was just the wow. first thing we wanted to make it kind of our thing. And uh, it was really nice. And uh, we had like a little bit of lack of structure, but we still had the passion. We still had people actually wanting there. So that's why we managed to keep it running. And uh, this year we are professionalizing it a lot. We're giving like people mm -hmm. a lot of roles. We are making sure that we have a program. We had kind of schedules and... Uh, 
we are trying to make it as professional as possible. And it's been uh, a challenge and an adventure at the same time and a lot of teamwork. And so you mentioned that you're giving people roles and I can imagine with 10 people, you wouldn't all be doing the same thing. So, so what kind of roles uh, do the so, members take and what role do you have? Like uh, now we have 25 people actually. Wow. Uh, on the first year we had uh, 14 people and we didn't have that many roles. We, that, we did have the treasurer, we have the president and I had the vice president, which was I. And uh, we divided the group between sectors last year and we kind of advise them to work in group. We're not really like uh, strict. You don't need to look strict into your sector, but we kind of recommend because they already said they had interest in there and mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of like make people help each other. And uh, it kind of worked really well. Like, we had more motivated people than others, but, uh, and I think also for the lack of experience and knowledge, people were kind of afraid of putting their ideas out there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's a mistake you know like you, you as i said in the beginning you learn by doing you know you can present something that is not the best thing not your best work but it is something and then you're only going to learn if you try if you're just going to be looking at it is it's going to be much harder for you yeah yeah but uh this year i divided together with the board uh, we made like a hr officer we made a people personal developer officer we made a social events officer corporate events and uh that really helps we have like a marketing officer so you know is i really can like divide the work like i kind of focus more on the structure of the group and the strategy that we're going to be pursuing and then i always run everything with the board the the, the person developing hr and the vice and treasurer they always mm -hmm. like we have weekly meetings or even like uh more than one meeting in a week just to make sure that everybody on the same page that like the portfolio is going in the right direction if we should enhance here and there like trying to get always a feedback loop so yeah. uh, that's i work close with the hr and the personal development uh, when you have uh, uh, when you do an event or we do just like a corporate or social event we go and get their feedback with the group how they like what they liked what they didn't like and uh, also on the meetings and uh, yeah i just try to make sure that everybody's mm -hmm. heard and uh, because it's a group thing. And these yes. meetings, uh, you say there's 25 people involved. Is it just one big group that gets together to meet or how, how does that work for you? So, so we have uh, we have the big group and that group mm -hmm. we divide in subgroups. In the first, uh, until like January, we divide the groups between uh, regions and, and uh, we divide between Europe, Asia and America. And each group we had uh, four people per group. And one of those would be uh, a person with more experience, and that would be the team leader. So we would have the uh, we'd have groups like meetings with the inner groups, and then all the team leaders would gather with me and uh, the vice, and then we also get feedback on them and uh, see how the like how everything is developing. Yeah. And I think that really helps in because twenty five people in a big meeting, you know, like is is going to be impossible to talk. Impossible. Like, it's not going to yeah. work. Uh, we do have general meetings. We even have one later today, whereas then it's more like a presentation. It's not really something interactive. So, you know, it's just more like general updates. What are we going to, like, what, how are your goals? Where we are, where now are your goals? And where are the future goals? New deadlines, new projects, new, like, just mm -hmm. a new project. Yeah, well, I mean, this group sounds pretty well-structured. And, um, I mean, as a president, I guess you also have a lot of responsibilities and can take credit for, especially with, I'd say, the investment decisions. Like on a good day, you probably make a lot of money. On a bad day, you can lose a lot of money. And my question, or could you tell us a little bit about your worst investment decision? 
So my worst investment decision is not, uh, wasn't when I was investing, it was more betting than investing. Because when you invest, you have a full-on research and uh, you know what to expect. You have the uh, risk of uh, value of risk. And that's like a uh, kind of like approach that you literally see like, what is the, like with 95% chance given the past history was going to be the, the worst drop in a day, in a five days. Mm. And so you, you, if, the, if the story repeats itself, you kind of know what to expect. And then on top of that, you have a lot of statistical analysis to check if they have positive alpha, betas, what they're correlated with, if they have momentum, if they have the market cap plays a role and how much plays a role in the volatility. You know, we have a lot of factors that can play a role in that. So when you're actually investing, it's less likely for you to get off guard. But when you're betting, and that's where like my worst like uh, investment happened, was actually on Tesla. It was booming, and I was doing a lot of money on that day. But then, and I had a, a pretty high leverage, and I was just literally every, I don't know, every 7% profit that I would make, because I had a, far, a leverage of five, and that day that like literally skyrocketed for like 20%, I would just close my position open again, close my position open again. And I was like, okay, it's not going to plumb in the end of the five minutes, right? It was a Friday. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, I have like a gathering with my friends. I'm going to just go there later. And uh, the five minutes that I don't look in the in the stock market, and I, I sell and buy just before leaving. I was like, okay, the market's mm -hmm. going to close. On the after hours, it might drop a bit. But it's, it, overall, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And then when I see it, it just plums down 10%. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, 10%, yeah, and that's insane. 10% is like five minutes. And I was like, yeah, what I do now? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing I can do about it. Is this maybe... Because I know there was one time when Tesla dropped 11% right after Elon Musk said that um, they were overvalued when it was around 700. That, that was, was that, that was before? That was okay, before okay. that, yeah. But like, if you just like, they have a big volatility, you know, like oh, if, yeah, if you go yeah. up 20% in one day, you can expect to go 10% in another day. Well, but um, uh, when you play with leverage, the risk increases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite unfortunate that uh, you lost money on Tesla considering it's one of the stocks that have just been doing so well. Uh, last yeah. couple of years yeah but have yeah, you was, invested in them again no I, I i kind of go like uh i jinx it i was like i'm not touching that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. i'd rather like uh be be safer you know what i mean like and um if it was it's, it's a lot of momentum on tesla and uh mm -hmm. you know like give i'm not the expert in day trading like you need to have a lot of algorithms to get like a lot of technical indicators mm -hmm. i'd rather just have like a longer time frame so i can yeah. it's easier to understand what is happening and I mean, it's yeah. tough, you know, after you do the fundamental analysis, you do the technical analysis, you really understand the stock. And then five minutes before closing, you lose 10% of your money, you know, so it's difficult. But did that really change your view on investing? Like after losing a large amount of money, did you just mm. say like, I don't want to do this anymore? Or no, I got pissed. I, don't know. I, think, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't happy. Like, um, I like kind of ruined the party. <laughs> the whole time oh, just no. looking at my phone, I was like, <laughs> I got there with like an amazing mood and then I get, leave them like, yeah, it is what it is, right? But like yeah. what really taught me is uh, I didn't like get pissed with investing. I just really, again, reinforced the idea of just keep to the plan. You know what I mean? Like don't, you, you have your strategy, you did your research, you know, like the fundamentals, but the fundamentals are like a slow wheel. So mm -hmm. uh, it's going to take time for it to hit that and to break that trend and so on and so forth. But, you know, it is fundamentally growing. So you can expect in 10, 15 years yeah. to be good if the company still exists. Yeah. But when you're seeing, you know, your friend that's doing day trade, like as long as the company is not like declaring bankruptcy in the same day or something crazy appears in the news, uh, it, it's fine. 
but uh, you know those things happen, and those are those are shocks. You cannot predict that. Yeah. So. And I mean, one shock that probably no one was able to was able to predict was the outbreak of COVID nineteen. And maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that. Like, did it also hit your stocks? Were you able to sell it on time? Because I mean, on March 9th, the largest drop of the stock price in history. You know, it, it probably also affected you. Yeah, no, actually, thankfully, on my personal portfolio, no, because when I had the first drop, like in, I don't know, in October, November, and when they really like closed China and they started to like before go to Europe, I closed my really volatile stocks. So then I just mm. kept like some energy stocks that are more like uh, fundamentally strong. They still went down, but if I had just kept everything, it would be a problem. Uh, which is like, it's better be safe than sorry. I was like, I have no clue what is happening. I know that I don't know, so I might as well mm. don't put my money there. But, uh, you know, if you, it's, it's a lot of momentum, you know, like, yeah, it dropped a lot, but when if you saw the deep and you bought like after that day, like now the, the stock markets are doing all time highs again. So yeah, now yeah. we have a lot of loss. You also have a lot of lot to win. Yeah, there's a lot to win because I mean, there's definitely also some firms that uh, are now also on the rebound. I know a lot of people invested in airlines when uh, the stock price yeah. is very low. I think that's doing very well. Uh, also for COVID, I hear a lot of people are looking at alternative ways to value companies uh, or at least uh, stocks. So just people are looking at travel data or dining trends and infection rates to see uh, like how, how they think the market's going to move. Do you have any experience looking at these kind of things? Uh, like I do see the COVID charts, but that's just more for like, because uh, it affects my life. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I, I travel a, uh, a good amount, so I kind of need to be aware of what is happening around. But uh, stock-wise, I, I, the infected people doesn't really matter that much. It's more like how many people are actually entering the, the intense care in the hospitals, mm-hmm. because you know that's like where people are dying. And uh, but it's also the job loss, you know, the, the no farm payroll just got released now in the states and it was like minus 70k when it was predicted to be like plus 100 something. That means that we're actually decreasing the amount of jobs than it mm-hmm. would predict to actually increase. And uh, just other like macroeconomic indicators that uh, come before the, the, the GDP. And that really helps you to have like kind of a feeling of the real economy. But again, the real economy and the, the high street economy. They are supposed to be the same thing, but uh, we we have a like much more volatility and is mm-hmm. we have a, like a, a forward looking the stock markets. So sometimes you know even the real economy might be like plumbing, but the stock markets are happening right now. They are just skyrocketing and have a lot of reasons for that, like quantitative easing. You have the forward looking. You have uh, just the hope that the vaccine are arriving and it's gonna be all good. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It plays a role, but depending on your time frame, you need to be aware of momentum and other yeah. factors. Do, do you think, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, now that a lot of stocks has had dropped very significantly for a period of time, do you think that will scare off a lot of new investors? Uh, People just started investing, they lost some money. Do you, do you think this will like, impact uh, them in the future? It depends on the time frame. You know, if they're thinking mm-hmm. of like holding a stock for a week, yeah, definitely, they destroyed. But if you think on investing on the stock market for like 50 years, in average, you're supposed to do, if an index, mm-hmm. you're supposed to do around 9% a year. Like, uh, that means that you're going to have years that it do 110%. You know, like, and I really exaggerate, like, uh, like exaggerating. It can have like really high returns, but in the next year, you might have like minus, minus 200%. You don't know, you know what I mean? You have, like, it's a good year or a bad year. And uh, yeah, it all depends on your momentum. It all depends also your, the industry that you 
you're putting your money at, you know, your exposure to the market and then like the market risk and the company risk uh, is, it really depends. But uh, if you in a short term frame and uh, you were like long in the market under COVID, you're definitely scared now. It's like, oh my God, everything on all time high, COVID still there, like everything going to just plummet again. And then is the shorter the time frame, the higher, the, the, the more unlikely for you to get it wrong, just because yeah. exogenous factors just occur. Yeah, but in general, right now, you think uh, you can see an upward trend. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners are also wondering, like, what stocks to look in, especially because we're in such a difficult time, volatility is high, you don't know where the stock market's properly going to move. Like, do you have any advice, not necessarily with stocks, but which industries these uh, new passionate traders and investors should check? No, you should check what the things going to exist in 50 years. You know, if you think the company going to go bust in five years, you don't see like the, the business model really like developing, don't put your money there. An example of it is Uber. Uh, Uber, like, it doesn't make money. It's like actually like not profitable whatsoever. Fundamentally speaking, and cash flow, they have a negative operational cash flow. It's, it's like the, their core business don't make a profit. But, uh, you know, the, the business model that they have is, is something innovating and something different. So that's why they, they still exist. So you need to kind of balance that uh, your expectation of the future was going to be there and uh, what, you, what you think is not going to be there. Like Personally speaking, I, I don't like oil. So mm-hmm. I think oil going to lose its importance like in the future, well, hopefully in the near future. But... Um, and also other people might think that oil is gonna is still gonna be like a really big important thing in like 50 years time. But uh, like my, my tip would be like focus on things that you, that you believe that had potential growth. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think a lot of people, they, uh, you know, a lot of people now are investing in Tesla. Do you think Tesla has the kind of growth opportunity? Cause from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing like a price to earnings ratio of over 800 when the average in the industry is 15. Yeah, and, and I think the the market cap um, is, is of, of um, Tesla is also as high as the next ten largest competitors. Yeah, I get that. It's just that like it's is a new, it's kind of a niche of the automotive industry that is just like emerging. Like you also mm-hmm. have the Neo company in China that's also skyrocketing. You know, like literally since November, I think they grew like what eighty percent, nine percent. That's absurd, but. Uh, it's just because it's, it's booming. Like, yeah, there, I, I see a lot of potential growth in Tesla and I see my existing in 50 years, like 30 years, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if, like, is it worth it how much it is right now, given the fundamentals? No, but uh, you don't know the future. You know, if the company yeah. actually keeps floating and existing, you know, even that worry about, you know, the percentage gain, but you want the value gain. So, you know, you have dividends, you have the rights, you have... Uh, a lot of potential growth and uh, that you can gain there. And uh, in the future, the, I don't know if they already offer now, but you can get like private debt from them. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they go busted or like they don't want to give dividends, they're too obliged to give to you the interest because you're literally giving a loan to the company. It's kind of mm-hmm. a bond, but a corporate bond. But Yuri, keep in mind that Andre doesn't have good experiences with Tesla. Tesla, so yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wouldn't put my money in quite- Tesla right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, but I'm I'm hearing you speak quite positively of them. But you know, I'm I'm also a bit wary because to me it seems like maybe it's just a, a bubble waiting to pop, and yeah. it's kind of like betting yeah. in some way, just trying to get out earlier than the the next guy because it's just so. Like Elon Musk, I think is the most wealthy person in the world right now. Yeah. Yes. Just recently, so. Yeah. But speaking of betting, like I personally mm. 
see a lot of people currently talking about on social media or my circles about these cryptocurrencies. I personally am not the biggest fan of them, but Andre, what is your honest opinion about cryptocurrencies? Yeah, I think cryptocurrency, the idea is really good. But the thing is, I don't know which cryptocurrency is going to exist in 50 years. You know, Bitcoin, I think is going to be there. But then you have like Ethereum, you have like, uh, I don't know, they're like infinite names of like cryptocurrencies that they just pop in, they just like skyrocketing. And there is nothing to like, you, you, you cannot buy anything with it. You know what I mean? Like Bitcoin yeah. nowadays on Amsterdam, you do have one or two ATMs that you can withdraw. So it's becoming like more actually as a currency. You can, if you have Revolut, you can change easily from like cryptos to actual currency and so on and so forth. So it's becoming more like a real currency, but like, you know, this, the, the central bank is still a reliable like entity. And I, I understand that with all this quantitative easing and all this problem in the world, you know, this term, like this troubling times, we lose a bit of faith on the central bank, especially because they're not being more independent mm -hmm. party. They are actually playing politics and fundamentally speaking, they're not allowed to do that. And uh, that's what makes cryptocurrency so nice because it's kind of a democracy thing. It's, there's no entities, the whole system that makes it real and, and makes it work. Mm -hmm. You have the blockchain in the back, you have like limited amounts. You have a lot of features that really follow the same idea of a currency. And uh, you have a decentralized system, which is also really important for, for currency to exist. But given that I cannot go to Alberheim and pay my grocery mm -hmm. with crypto, it, it makes it harder. Do you but, think most uh, do you think most we, investors who invest into Bitcoin take these things into account, or do you think I they just kind of so. see it? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they just really feel like yeah, that's the future. You know, like I don't care about the government, like uh, fuck the system. But uh, that's not really how it goes. You know, we still live in a capitalism world. We need to have rules, and you still need to operate with that currency. So I believe Bitcoin and crypto, it is something that is going to continue for a long time. I don't know if the value that it is worth right now, but Bitcoin is actually the intrinsic value. You know, it might be that it decreases a lot, but it's just because it's going to be easier for us to do transactions. You know, like we don't like to be playing with like, you know, a thousand, like 0. 0.00005 Bitcoin to buy an Apple. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not mm -hmm. that simple. So, yeah, I, I feel that it has some kind of inflation because of the expectation of the market in Bitcoin. But uh, if you, if you, willing to hold that for like 20 years like you can even buy it mm -hmm. now maybe like I, I would advise to at least like give a retraction because this should just skyrocket with COVID oh, yeah. and certain of the government but uh, I think it's something that you should have your portfolio should keep an eye on but you, you need to be careful you know yeah. as with everything talking about things that have skyrocketed uh, I hear the the number of stay-at-home investors over the pandemic has increased drastically and that retail investors now account for 20% of all equity trading. Um, and I, one thing I see as a result is that a lot of people are looking on like uh, on online forums for their investing advice. Yeah. Uh, there's one place called Reddit Wall Street Bets. Um, and it's recently become a bit more popular. And also in mainstream media, it's been discussed. Uh, there's uh, roughly 1.8 million people who follow it you know, weekly, daily. Uh, for their investing advice what are your thoughts on these kind of online forums to share investment ideas and memes like uh, personally i never entered by myself in the reddit wall street bets mm -hmm. like I, I saw i think like two or three times that a friend of mine showed like oh look at space and blah blah, blah and like those kind of things and i was like yeah nice because uh it, it's betting you know i mean like yeah mm -hmm. if i'm gonna bet like uh i, I might have with the casino game the roulette and point double zero and said like yeah i'll in there like fun 
But uh, in, in that case, if I'm gonna bet, I'm not gonna follow another person bet. I'm just gonna make my own bet. I'm gonna go mm -hmm. to the earnings release. I'm gonna see companies that like look promising. I'm gonna put like a certain leverage open one week before the earnings, and like and and wait if I better play in the right direction. Yeah. But uh, that's yeah. not that's not investing. You know, that's betting. Yeah. And yeah, I don't advise to be honest doing that. Like uh, because mm -hmm. yeah, you can make like a thousand years in a day, but you can lose a thousand years in a day. So yeah. it's. One of the main concerns I see there is that the investment advice that most people are going to follow is just whatever is voted up the most. And what's going to be voted up the most, just whatever has a lot of hype and maybe not the, the fundamentals might not be there. But, uh, you know, I have to say, like some stocks that they found are quite interesting. For example, GameStop, uh, their stock has increased drastically and it was very highly promoted on Reddit Wall Street bets. But yeah, and, I mean, they I all. Have, I have another thing when, like, we have mm -hmm. the, the common of. The, the knowledge of the commons, I don't remember the term, but something in those lines. And uh, it's literally if everybody started like putting the money there, it, they start gonna go up. It's just a thing like of like supply and demand. If um, everybody's trying to buy that, the price is gonna go up. But the thing yeah. is the majority of those traders, they're not actually buying the stocks, they're buying derivative of the stock. And that's over the counter as well. And uh, if for some reason, they actually, everybody makes a lot of money and they try to take it out the money, the the agency that's actually providing you that contract, they, they, they might not even like, actually give you the money they put the money on your like system but if you try to read out the money that doesn't exist so you really need to be careful of those things uh of mm -hmm. like with whom which platform are you trading yeah. uh but also yeah you can definitely find some really interesting in there things in mm -hmm. there and uh, on the short term it might be really profitable because everybody's just like yeah. you know hyping that company but again it's a really short term and it's, it's a bet yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it, you can buy in the right time and make like a thousand years, but can lose a thousand years. It's mm -hmm. really... Do you think these professionals or hedge funds take advantage of the so-called tragedy of the commons, you know, that they look at these Reddit pages and then just short or do the opposite of what is expected? I, I cannot confirm that, that that's possible, that that actually happens, but I really think that that's, that's likely because, you know, they, if a lot of people are just betting there and they know, and if they're not actually buying the asset, they are buying a derivative of the asset, so they don't actually play a role on the price. They only mm -hmm. play a role on the spread of the of the platform that they're playing, they are trading. So if you trade more on the asset, a lot of people trade more, let's say a total, the spread of the asset will increase. But uh, so the hedge funds are actually seeing a lot of people just like, uh, or even the, the platform, they actually can buy the stock on the side. And they see like a lot of people buying that, buying that, and uh, they're just gonna short it because they literally gonna say like, yeah, I have a big position over there. I just gonna take it out the money. All of those people gonna lose money. That means that I'm gonna make money on that going down because I'm shorting it, and I'm also gonna make money mm -hmm. on all those people that are actually doing a derivative of that contract that's mm -hmm. going up, and they win on both sides. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't believe that's legally allowed. You know what I mean? But it's hard to keep track on every on everything. And uh, I'm not sure about the legislation. It might even be to a certain degree, but I know that influencing the market, if it's not allowed, is not well seen by you know the market and people. Mm -hmm. It's like ethics of investment, so those things. Yeah. So where would you suggest people go to the go to find their investment advice now, if it's not I, these like internet forums? They can go to the internet forums. They just mm. don't don't bet blindly on that. You know, like see the company. So like, oh, I never saw this company. That's nice. And then you go and do your technical analysis, do your fundamental. You mm. don't like if you still think that uh, your view going in line what it was actually posted, go for it. 
is like is your view of the market is your analysis and if you really believe it like put your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. but you know like have your own critical thoughts don't 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 be a sheep you know like think yeah and i mean at one point of course i mean now you have a lot of uh, experience in trading and investing but at one point you also didn't have a lot or maybe even none And what advice would you give to these new traders and investors, like what to look at or what to analyze before picking or investing a stock or whether there are indicators that tell you directly, this is a sign I need to sell or this is a sign I should buy this stock. Like there is not a sell, a sign that you need to sell or need to buy. You know, if you, like, again, all depends on your time frame. If I'm doing a day trade and I have leverage five and I see that uh, the stock is a clear and a trend down, I'm not going to buy the stock in that day. You know, if the market is going like totally red, you know, I'm not going to long sell from that moment in time because I'm, I'm in a day trade like time frame. But if I'm, if I'm thinking of like, ah, yeah, I'm going to hold that stock until I die. And like, I think that company is not going to get busted. Like it's not going to get bankrupt. Mm-hmm. It might drop like 50% this year, like 60 is fine. They're still going to give me dividends. And in the next year, they're going to grow 30 and so on and so forth. So all depends on your risk tolerance and your time frame of the investment. But I, I do recommend you seeing fundamentals. I do recommend seeing technical, doing your technical analysis by yourself. Do see technical indicators, research about accounting. So you know how to read the balance sheet, you know how to mm-hmm. do the ratios just to really know what, what you're buying, you know, because in the end of the day, you're buying that share, you're buying that company. So th- don't be a sheep. You know I mean, like, like have critical thinking. That's mm-hmm. the quote that all the listeners should remember. Don't be a sheep in the stock market. Find your own opinion, your own stocks. And yeah. Do your own research there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can get, you know, like insight for others. Like I go to trading view sometimes and I just scroll down, like, you know, you go on YouTube or Netflix. So like, okay, like I never saw this company before. That sounds interesting. And then you go there and look, okay, given that, uh, let me do my own research. Or if you want to go even one step further, uh, I was literally another day with my friend. We did like an algorithm, uh, an algorithm on Python and we screened like 1,300 companies. And from that, we had like a sample of 200. And then we saw on the platform, those 200, we have like a certain amount. And then you kind of screening, you know, like uh, you give you your measurements, you give like what you're actually looking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you have a lot of stats in the middle and so on and so forth. But, you know, you have a lot of way of screening companies, but then depends on how much time and effort and uh, you're actually willing to yeah. put in that. And so you say that you guys looked at like over a thousand companies. What yeah. criteria were you looking at to uh, narrow that down? Uh, first, like momentum, like their alpha, the alpha given certain indexes, the alpha given certain parameters, their betas, their volatility, their correlation, their, and you give weight for all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty like stats like heavy, but uh, you're playing a game, you know, it's, it's like a game tree. So the better you can get like your data and the more you play that game, the more likely for you to actually get to the average, the same idea of flipping a coin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to bet all the time that I know I'm going to get heads. But if I, if I play that game five times, I might lose everything. But if I play this game infinite times, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lose. It's like payoff expected value zero. So that's why you need to try positive alphas and low betas and uh, small risk correlations with other mm-hmm. things. And this is also things that you guys do with your uh, investment group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And is there anything interesting that your investment group is looking at now? Or uh, how do you guys work now during the pandemic that you're all meeting online? Like, what kind of research can you still do? And we can do like uh, it's only setting that we don't have access to Bloomberg anymore because mm. it has everything all like big databases because you have everything in one website it's kind of well formatted they have a lot of ratios done for you now you need to go like website by website get some data here get some data there pass everything mm -hmm. to Excel and then download everything from a Python program transfer that to an Excel because you're laser pressing like historical data from all of them that's annoying and uh, it's just like you can find on the web like you have like alpha let me get the name of the website like one is like you have yahoo finance you have uh mm -hmm. seeking seeking alpha you have investing.com you have market watch you have bloomberg uh you really have financial times you have the economist you can you really can find the data of, around but uh it's just more time consuming mm -hmm. for sure and like maybe one last thing I wanted to talk to you about. It's something new that came up. Uh, the California water futures. Like, what is your opinion yeah. on that? What do you think of the introduction of the California water futures and them being traded? I think that's the future, man. Like nowadays, that is I, the I, yeah, I think you don't even know about that. But the companies, big companies nowadays, they literally have a futures market for electricity by itself. So in every half an hour, like ING needs to tell the, the grid and uh, tell them how much energy you're going to spend in kilowatts in the next half an hour. And if you, if you bought too much, you kind of like lost money. And if you buy too little, or you need literally to shut down your things or buy the electricity on the, on the current market price. Like France does that as a whole. So like the France could buy energy by whole France and then they substitute on their grid. England, they divide between regions. I don't know exactly how the metal works, but, uh, and they're trying to decrease that for every 15 minutes. So like, uh, it's just another commodity. And, uh, and to, to focus more on water, like, we need to stop thinking that water is an infinite commodity. It's not, it's finishing and we're just destroying it. So it, like, you know, in the Netherlands, you pay one euro for like five, 500 ml of water. That's, that's blood expensive. But you know, that's, that's how it should be. Even though it's like an essential good, if you just treat like 10 cents of water, we're not gonna give value to it. I guess the point they have friends who live in Qatar over there rains like what two days a, a year when it rains they literally go out and party because it's raining like I have mm -hmm. other like I, I know that you know in some on, on some places that they on, I, I don't know if I can say that actually but I know that like in the Emirates instead of like cleaning some places with water they actually clean with oil because it's cheaper well but not like a refined oil but like some raw oil they literally yeah. clean with that and then they go brush it out the sand instead of using water yeah yeah because um, i hear a lot of people are quite worried now that uh you know water is being treated similar to similarly as petroleum or gold that it's just uh something else to make money off of instead of something that's like a, a right to everyone do you see this as well uh, when when um the california water futures were introduced or do you yeah, see this as more of a positive gold. thing I think that there's like pros and cons. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, because uh, you're gonna, water gonna become more expensive with time. So that means that more people are gonna struggle to, to find water and get water. And that's a problem because it's, it's an essential good. So the companies, the corporations need to pay high prices for the water, but the final consumer, they need to, they need to get subsidy and like uh, help from the government. But fundamentally speaking, it doesn't matter who you tax, everybody pays the same because I, if, if the company get taxed, they're just gonna increase the price and so on and so forth. 
but uh, the, the government needs to find ways to, you know, put costs not really on the production of water and uh, the water by itself, but, you know, really tax people who don't really take care of their water and give benefits for those that actually make their use really, like, uh, they, mm -hmm. they can manage well their water consumption. Yeah. Uh, Ozan, do you have any uh, final questions you'd like to ask? Um, no, not from my side, just the last thing that Andre said, like that's actually yeah. a research project even, you know, that you could look into. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty much it from my side. Yeah, Andre, Andre uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure and I think we've all learned a lot and I hope our audience uh, does too. Uh, yeah, so th thank you for, uh, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me guys. Like it was a really nice conversation. It was also a really pleasure. Sure. I mean, I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thank you, Andre, once again. And um, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.